it's hot up here. It is hot. We got it the is. fans running, and um, we need to move our studio. We need to move our studio. Move our studio. <laughs> it's very loose on the word studio. <laughs> <laughs> Just think what the next one's going to be like. <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> We think of baptism right. That's why right. baptiz- baptism becomes important for us for our whole life, even after. Yeah. Right? That's right. I yeah. mean, it's what I can look back to and say, during those times of drought in my heart or whatever, of difficulty, maybe even with my spiritual life, I'm reminded. True. God saved. I know God saved by his grace. And I was, you know, I was baptized in his name and I am his. All right, welcome to Pastors of the Roundtable. It's great to have you with us this week. Uh, Pastors of the Roundtable is the discipleship podcast of Monroe Missionary Baptist Church and is brought to you by Together in Christ, the teaching ministry of MMBC in Monroe, Michigan. Our goal together is to encourage thoughtful discussion about the Christian faith and to connect you to the people and ministries of MMBC. Today we want to continue a series that we started before about worship. We've been going through the elements and the aspects of public worship. We've talked about what worship is. We've talked about the various elements. Like um, we talked about prayer. We've talked about preaching the word. We've talked about singing. We've talked about reading the word. And this week we want to move on now to baptism. Baptism, the first of two ordinances that. God has, that Christ has given to his church, baptism in the Lord's Supper. We want to begin today by talking about uh, baptism and what role that plays in, in our worship and our public worship as the disciples of Jesus Christ, and also what role it should have in our personal lives um, today. So we're going to have a good discussion about this topic. Um, sitting around the table with me today is Scott Slater, family pastor here at MNBC, Matt Bates, music and media pastor here, uh, Tim Icoangeli, the lead pastor here at MNBC, and my name is Spencer Snow, discipleship pastor here at the church. Okay, guys, we've talked about preaching the word, reading the word, singing the word. Um, We also know about praying. We need to pray the word and according to the word of God. But now we come to two things that are a bit different. Baptism and the Lord's Supper. They're not something simply word. They are, they do contain the word of God, but they're also visible elements. They're different. Um... Some denominations and groups of Christians will call these things sacraments. As Baptists, we typically have called them ordinances, things that have been ordained by Jesus Christ for the church to continue on um, until he returns, baptism and the Lord's Supper. Um, Let's think about, before we dive into baptism itself, I think it's helpful for us to step back and say, what is an ordinance, or um, other groups of Christians might use the word sacrament, what, what is this that we're talking about? What are these two things that, are, that are, make them unique, and um, how are they different from the preached word and the read word, and how are they similar? How would you define them, if you were to def- give a definition of what they are? I would say that they are You've already kind of said some of the things that I would say that they were given to us by Christ. We're explicitly commanded to do these actions uh, as a church, uh, and they're symbolic in nature, what they're supposed to communicate. They're reminders to us. They're also acts of obedience for Christians and for churches. 
Um, so that's not really an all-inclusive definition, but those are some of the things that initially come to mind. Uh, I call them ordinances. Uh, I wouldn't call them a sacrament. Um, I don't really have any kind of fancy reason for that other than it might be confusing to people that come from different religious backgrounds. Right, right, right. Yeah, I, I mean, the ordinances are very visual. Like you said, I think that's a very important aspect of it. I think another important aspect of the ordinances are the togetherness of them together. That's why, like during this pandemic, we were not going door to door giving communion to people. We don't see that's how it's done. That's not right. how it should be. And so, um, same with baptism. You know, I, I can't go to somebody's house individually and baptize them in their pool or something. We we do that together um, the best we can. The best we can do them together. Uh, and so this, the visual aspect, I think, is very important because of how God uses that as a reminder and to grow our faith even, right, as we see each other doing that. That becomes a very important aspect of, of growth in our life to see, you know, in Lord's Supper, the body and blood being taken and ingested mm-hmm. and taken in and just the, just the visual of that together and unified or, or seeing somebody go into the baptistry, knowing what God has done in their life and mm-hmm. seeing that. The wa- you know, what it represents, the washing away of sin, that God has done that in that mm-hmm. person's life and put them in there into his family. And they're now co-heirs. Like you, mm-hmm. you see that visually taking place. God has given us those ordinances. That's, and that's different than, you know, what you hear in preaching. You hear through the preaching mm-hmm. and stuff. But this is like a really visual aspect. And you're starting to touch upon something about, because God, theoretically, God did, wasn't, requ- <laughs> there was no, nothing, forcing God to give us these visual aids. Right, yeah. Right? Why did he do that? Why did he give us visual aids? He could have just said, you just need to trust my word, and that, sh- and he could have said that, and that should have been good enough. But why did he give us these these aids of baptism in the Lord's Well, Supper? I mean, I think, for one, it's helpful for us yeah. in our minds, our limited minds and things. You know, pictures in a book can help right. visually understand things better yeah. and stuff yeah. like that. So. Uh, that's one aspect, but I I do think there's an aspect of of faith where it encourages our faith even more to see that. I know for me, it's very helpful to see my brothers and sisters of this local congregation participating in Lord's Supper together, Mm -hmm. to see that you come to partake because of the grace God has given you in your life. And it's the same as the grace that God has given me in my life. And that encourages my faith. It helps to grow my faith even, Mm -hmm. even more. So he gave it to us because he knew that it would benefit us. It would strengthen us and our faith Mm -hmm. in him. Um, Yeah. And also in that, like, especially baptism, if someone's getting baptized, that means they're professing faith in Christ. So it's like, you're literally seeing Christ working in your community in your congregation, like you're seeing people come to faith, like that's an encouragement. Um, but something else I think maybe important to say is what an ordinance is not. It's not a work mm-hmm. to for salvation. So getting baptized um, is not something that saves you. And then also the Lord's Supper, it is not something that saves you again or resaves you. You're not resacrificing Christ's body. Correct. For your sin. So, so I guess we've, we've said, you know, what is an ordinance, but maybe it would be helped to clarify what, to say what 
the ordinance isn't. That's really good. Yeah, it's, it's an ordinance is a sacred symbol. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a sacred, I, I was reading an older writer and he was talking about how. Set apart. Yeah, it's a sacred symbol that's to, 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 to remind, uh, to first of all, to confirm God's promises to us. And second of all, to remind us of our duty in response to that promise. Um, so that's what these are. These are sacred symbols that are meant to remind us of those things. They, there's the sign and there's the thing signified. Yeah. Right? Now the problem becomes whenever people start thinking the sign itself is the is. thing signified. Right, right. And that's what we see in some churches where, yep. you know, if somebody's baptized, whether they're an adult or an infant, the idea that can be conveyed in, in, in different church traditions, by the way, um, it can be that by going through this sacrament, this symbolic act, you are actually getting what is signified. Right. right. And that's not, it's, it's no longer, really, it's no longer an ordinance. It's no longer a symbol. It's no longer a sacrament if it actually does that. It's the thing signified. Right. So we're saying these things symbolize to us Jesus Christ and all of the benefits that come with knowing him. Right. They're not Jesus Christ, though. Correct. <laughs> they point us to him, yeah. and they remind us of him, and they are given to us by him, mm. but they are not themselves the Savior. Yeah. And the minute that we do that, we actually then, they no longer become symbols. They just become the reality that they're supposed to point to mm. yeah. beyond themselves. Mm-hmm. And that's really important because we're not talking about these things infusing grace in us. Right. And grace is also, by the way, not a substance. It's not like I got a box of grace here that I can just <laughs> hand to you or you can put in your mouth. Or you can go dive into. Mm-hmm. Um, there's symbolic sacred acts um, by which God is, is reminding us uh, of who he is and what he's doing. Let me ask you this. What is God doing through the ordinances? And this ties back to what we just said, I guess. And, but what is God doing through these ordinances? I, th- I mean, I, I mentioned this already. He's increasing our faith, mm-hmm. I believe. Um, he's... Showing us his story, showing us his plan, I believe, how it's unfolded, right. um, what it means. Uh, again, and again, I think he's doing these things for us, for our, for our benefit. Um, yeah. as he does, I know, you know, he, I think he, he is unifying his body through these ordinances. Uh, like you'll hear people say, I went to Israel, I got baptized in the Jordan River. Well, Congrats! I got baptized in the baptistry. It was the same, same baptism. You know, it wasn't, <laughs> not special because you were in the Jordan or whatever. Right. right? It doesn't stipulate those things. So I think it brings a lot of unity. Mm-hmm. So God has established that uh, through His ordinances. Uh, I'm sure there's more. I'm not thinking off the top. I mean, of my I think head. part of the ordinances God is sanctifying mm-hmm. the church, and so I mean. Baptism is an act of obedience. Mm-hmm. It's the first command of a new believer is to be baptized. And so you're being obedient to Christ when you're doing that. Um, at the same time, in places in the New Testament, like in Corinthians, you're encouraged to examine yourself before you take the Lord's Supper to see if you're taking it in an unworthy manner. And so I think it's uh, those are both times of sanctification mm-hmm. for your life, of walking in obedience one step at a time, but also examining your heart to see if there's anything unworthy to come to the Lord's table with his people. And so regularly participating, you know, in these instances, uh, is, is, is part of your sanctification mm-hmm. in that sense. 
Now, other examples in the Bible that we would say are, they're not New Testament ordinances, but they're, they're, they're like ordinances or they were similar kind of symbolic acts we would use like the rainbow. Right. With, with Noah, right. God said, God made a covenant with Noah, gave him the sign of the covenant in the rainbow. The rainbow was meant to say, here's my promise to you. And here's the symbol that, by the way, you'll always look at it and be reminded of my promise. Right. Mm -hmm. Circumcision was the same thing. God says, here's my covenant. This is to remind you of my covenant. Mm -hmm. Passover. Here's, I'm redeeming you. Here's a sacrament, an ordinance, a symbolic act by which I want you to be reminded of who I am and what I did. All the sacrifices um, in the Old Testament are like that. In the New Testament, we only have two of these. And it's interesting, by the way, as well, neither one of them are bloody. <laughs> neither one of them involve blood. If you think about circumcision, Passover, sacrifices, all involve blood. Mm. Our, our, our ordinances in the New Testament are bloodless because the lamb has been shed for us. So we no longer have to have bloody um, uh, ordinances or symbolic acts in our church um, or ceremonies by which we go through. So, um, and which I'm very thankful because I'm a germaphobe and I would not have, <laughs> I, I could not have been a part of the ministry in the Old Testament. <laughs> I'm just say, being honest here. Tim could have because he's a hunter, but half of us I, would be passing out. Every yeah. Day. No, I'm just, I would have just been, yeah, hanging out somewhere else, you know. But, um, one of the great ways that I think about, and in order to illustrate, um, what, um, an ordinance is, is the wedding ring. Um, you can get married without a wedding ring and be legally married, right? You don't have to. Um, but, but in, in most traditional wedding ceremonies, we still have a wedding ring. Now, the wedding ring doesn't mean that I am married. It's a symbol of marriage. It doesn't make me married. I could, I could still be as much married to my wife if, actually, this is the second one. I lost the first one, but I'm still married, right? Hope you didn't pay a lot of money for the first one. I think I kind of did. This one I got at Walmart. <laughs> but, uh, that's where this one came from. Yeah, that's right. From the South, bro. That's right. Yeah, Walmart. Um, so it's not the marriage itself, but it symbolizes the marriage. In the same way that baptism and the Lord's Supper are not salvation, but they do symbolize salvation yeah. to us. Secondly, th- these ordinances are given to us by God. What's interesting is that whenever I give my ring, so for instance, if I give a ring to my wife in the marriage ceremony, it's me making a vow to her. Mm-hmm. It's not her making a vow to me. Mm-hmm. It's me saying, with this ring, I am wedding you. I am making the promise and the vow to the person I'm giving the ring to. And she puts the ring on, and it reminds her of my promise to her. Mm. Um, and so, likewise, the ordinances of the New Testament are primarily, mostly, about God's promise to us in Jesus Christ. They're not primarily about my response. They're primarily about God is telling me, this is who I am to you and for you in Jesus Christ. And lastly, these ordinances remind us as well of our duty and our response to the gospel. Because if I have now, if, if I look at my ring, theoretically, if I look at baptism, I'm reminded that God, that he has given me his wedding ring, so to speak. I'm married to Jesus Christ in a sense. I'm unified to him. 
Therefore, if I've been united to him as God's child, as the bride of Christ and indwelt by the Spirit, I now have a response to live in light of that. And they're, rem- they're a constant reminder, I think, throughout. And, and like when you look at your wedding ring, you realize you don't really need it the first day you're married. The first day you're married, the first weeks um, may be good. But it's after you've been married a few years, you really need to relook at the wedding ring and be reminded of the fact that you made a promise and she made a promise to you and you're in a covenant with this person. Mm-hmm. And they made promises to you. And so I think that in that way, the wedding ring is, is, is a helpful analogy of when we think about these ordinances in general of God's first of all promise to us and then how I should live in light of that in response, in response to the gospel. Okay, so now when we come to baptism itself, when we come to uh, water baptism, because there, there are different baptisms, there's the spirit baptism, which we're all supposed to be baptized with by faith when we receive Jesus Christ, but there's water baptism, which is commanded in the New Testament. Is water baptism something optional in the New Testament? No. No. So you, So it's a command given by God. Yeah, I mean, Matthew 28 and the Great Commission that, we're all familiar with. I mean, Jesus says, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. That's why I said earlier that baptism in, in, uh, is in a large part an act of obedience. And you're doing something that Jesus has explicitly commanded for the church to do. Mm. Right. So, so everyone is to be marked with the sign mm. of baptism, right? If you're part of the church, you know, um, repent and be Acts 20, Acts 2. Right. Mm-hmm. What then shall we do, brothers? Well, repent and be baptized. Yeah. Um, believe in Jesus Christ. Repent from yeah. your sins. And be baptized. It was something that it's seen so closely as being part of salvation. It doesn't like that can be dangerous language, but it's like it was just like repent and be baptized. Like right. being baptized was so closely related to being saved, becoming a Christian. That it's like they couldn't conceive of you becoming a Christian and not being baptized. Right. 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 Every yeah. Yeah, and it points us to, to, to union with Christ. It's interesting. We're baptized into the name mm-hmm. of the Father, mm-hmm. the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Whenever we're put into the name, what does that mean? Does that mean simply that we've got some loosey goosey connection to the triune God or what no, does that it's mean? Family. I mean you are that you are them now. Just like in adoption today, if you go and adopt uh, a child, part of that adoption process will be a name change. Uh, and usually that name change, you know, is to your last name. They carry your family name now, and they are your your family. They mm. bear that name, and you claim them, and they claim you, mm. right? And that's... I mean, being baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and mm. the Holy Spirit, you are a part of their family completely, mm-hmm. completely. God is telling us whenever we're put into the name, we're brought into, remember, uh, is it is it 1 Corinthians chapter 10? He says that all of Israel was baptized into Moses through the sea. Do you remember that passage? Mm-hmm. They, they were brought into a connection between their leader mm-hmm. And his role there as the Old Testament mediator and being the people of God. 
And similarly, we're brought into a relationship as the people of God when we're, we're brought into the name um, of, of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The God, the Father, and God, the Son, and God, the Holy Spirit are telling us um, that, um, that they're going to be our God now. And we are now going to be his, he's reminding us of his promises and we're put into the name. Um, the idea of name as well in the Old Testament, what, well, we often think about names just simply as a name, as an idea of title. But in the Old Testament and in the Bible, the idea of someone's name has the idea of their existence, their character, and their reputation. Their whole being of who they wholly are. And God is saying, everything that I am, I'm going to be mm-hmm. for you now. All right. You're my children. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, it's a wonderful reminder that we've been, the name has been put on us. It's in, in, um, Ezekiel, I think it's said on their foreheads, and I think it's later on said in Revelation that God's, in, is it in heaven that God puts his name on our foreheads? Mm-hmm. He marks us, mm-hmm. brands us as his own. And, um, that's what baptism is. It's a branding ceremony. Mm-hmm. You're mine. Mm-hmm. You belong to me. That's wonderful. It's so wonderful. So baptism also, though, is with water. What is the symbol of water? Why did God choose water? Well, I mean, water is like a cleansing, right? A picture of cleansing. And so you you wash in the water, go down. And, I mean, we still do today, just like they did then. We use, we use water for cleaning. And so uh, the idea of the baptism is you walk in, and again, this is a symbol of what God has done to you, but you walk in dirty, but then you are baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. You go under in the water, and it's showing your washing, your cleansed, hmm. the cleansing of your sin, that, that crimson stain that you couldn't get rid of yourself. You know, God has done for you, and the water is representing that, hmm. that cleansing that has took place. And it's also representing, you know, the death, the death of the old man, going down into the grave, raising up into a new life, the new life in Christ hmm. with his seal, you know, with all of that washed, sins washed away. And so water is just a very good representative of, hmm. of those things. So we wash with water. Water is common as well. It cleanses, it right. purifies. Um, eventually Paul is told, um, is it by Aeneas um, or is it Ananias? I forget. I don't forget who it is, but yeah, and, and he says, Paul, rise, be baptized, and wash away your sins. Mm-hmm. And again, right, the water itself doesn't wash away our sins, but it's a symbolic washing away of our sins. It's a, um, it, it's a cleansing, cleansing ceremony. And I think what you hit on, I mean, water's common, right? right. It's not a, it's not an uncommon thing. And so again, if it's something God was going to tell believers to do it, I'm glad it's a it's a common thing, and it, it wasn't a particular place, right? Like we mentioned before, mm-hmm. um, it wasn't. You need to have oil from this type of particular tree that can only be found in this region, right. and that will right. that will soften you or whatever. Right. It wasn't anything like that. It was you know, just water, and that's why John, I think, brings up uses water whenever he starts baptizing John the Baptist is because he's calling them to repentance from sins. And the water is symbolic of washing. And it's interesting, later on, the, the Jews would come in and they were told in John's gospel that they were arguing with John's disciples about what purification. 
So it seems that they connected John's baptism to some kind of a purification, some kind of a cleansing. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I think of Psalm 51. Remember the, the prayer of David after his sin? <laughs> he says, uh, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. I need to be scrubbed clean. And um, we need to be cleansed. And we know that that cleansing is found for us in Jesus Christ. I think sometimes in the midst of all of our discussions about baptism with uh, various groups that disagree with us even, uh, we forget about just the, the basic thing that we're, we're washed in water symbolically. Mm-hmm. And uh, we can sometimes overlook the obvious things <laughs> about the water and, uh, and, and, and focus on other things that are maybe not so um, urgent or, or plain. Um, let's ask this question. Um, how should baptism be done? We know that this is something Christians disagree over. Uh, I'm talking about mode right here, particularly. So some, some denominations of Christians will like as Baptists, our practice is to immerse. Immerse, yeah. There's other denominations that won't make, they, they allow immersion, but they, they practice sprinkling or pouring. And so what do you Mm -hmm. think about that? Well, I mean, I would go towards the immerse, obvious, obviously, just with that word again in the, in the original language, dunk, really to put them under. That's what was being represented uh, there. So I, I think that was the New Testament practice that we can continue on today. There's no reason we can't continue on. You know, there's nothing that hinders us from dunking, dunking people. Uh, and so that's why. That's what I'm most comfortable with, uh, whether it's in a river, in a pool, in the lake, in the baptistry here. I'm not too concerned mm-hmm. about that. Uh, but, yeah. But, it, but again, I think, I, I don't know if you're getting to this, but I wouldn't hold to that too tight to where, let's say I was trying to baptize you and you started to freak out and your hand didn't go under and I bring you up. I wouldn't say... Man, we got to do this again. Or his hands probably going to hell. <laughs> like I'm not gonna. I'm not thinking that. You know, Jesus I, did say, "Cut off your hand <laughs> yeah, and enter yeah. into the kingdom of heaven." <laughs> Blind oh, and lame. I guess. <clears throat> I know we're that'll ju- preach. That'll preach. Yeah, <laughs> <Jesus> <laughs> <go ahead. laughs> that's right. It's right there, and that's what he's talking about when you don't get all the way under. <laughs> yeah, <that's> right. <laughs> and I know we laugh about it and kind of joke about it, but that's those are real discussions. Right. Yeah. Denominations sure. have. Yeah, they are. Um, sure. And I would not be that. I don't believe it saves you anyways. Right. right. I believe it's a symbol. Sure. And so we yeah. do the best that you can. Yeah, I mean, just if you look at both what the original word means, mm-hmm. it means to dunk or to dip, yeah. to immerse, and also just the, the practice that you f- see in the New Testament, that they were putting people under the water, mm-hmm. you know. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's just the, yeah. the the model that we follow. I can think of two instances where I haven't done that. Um one was a, well, both were medical. Both were a medical thing. But I remember one, uh, I don't remember who it was. It was someone kind of recent here at the church. But she had a, like a medical issue with her ears. Mm. She couldn't be dunked because of her ears. But she mm. really wanted to be baptized. She's like, I need to be baptized. And so, you know, I can't remember what Pastor Roy and I did exactly. But it was like we put her down almost all the way to her ears. And I think we might have even like took some water out and kind of put it on her head type of thing. And we did the best we could with we don't we don't want her to ruin her hearing and stuff it's like 
Her heart was definitely where it needed to be. She wanted to be baptized. She was willing to go forward and do everything she could, but she was just like, I, my ears really can't go underwater. Hmm. Or this could happen. Hmm. It's like, okay, well, let's let's figure this out. You know, the best way we can. Hmm. That's extreme. That's not normal. Right. You know, um, some people don't want to be baptized. I'm nervous in front of people. Like to that, I'd say too bad. <laughs> like that's that's a different scenario. You <laughs> yeah. know, or. This water's cold. I only want warm water. Too bad. <laughs> That's not the option. So I don't want to make that like the regular thing right. to where right. we're trying to right. switch it up. But right. it was what it was. And we do keep the water at a decent temperature here. It's too hot, in my opinion. Right. It makes me sweat like crazy when I'm in right. it. Well, it's just like the Jordan River probably was, right? Out in the middle of the probably wilderness, Probably the exact right? temp. Yeah. Right? I mean, we even put a little soot We in make there it real dirty. To, yeah, I'm really dirty and just kind of... <laughs> Yeah, we're, we're gonna stock it and um, just to really get that authentic, that authentic feel. Um, <laughs> okay. No, but you know it's funny when you talk about mode, like how um, traditional how we can get, or how ritualistic we can get with baptism, to where you know mm-hmm. how you do it becomes. Well, this is how my pastor always did it, so right. that must be the way you're supposed to do it. Like right. he knelt them backwards. This guy's dunking them under from the top. This right. person, they went forward. This, you know, there's right. a seat. Did a cannonball. <laughs> <laughs> there's a seat in there. They don't have a seat. Well, we actually do it in a river, you know, like right. we, where it can become that. Lord's Supper is the same way, which we could talk about stories, I'm sure, where it's the same way. And that's that's losing the point right. of, of it. And and another thing, too, I think about is there was, a you know, there's a you know, some churches will either apply water dunking or sprinkling three times. Some churches do it once. Yep. There's not a right or a wrong I've in those things, too. right? I mean, we traditionally Father, do. Son, Holy Spirit. Yeah, right? <laughs> I guess it just depends how hot it is that day. but <laughs> How much um, you don't like the person. Right, yeah. All right. <laughs> We're doing all three today. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, but I think, but I mean, those are discussions with within Christianity that we, I mean, like, whether Absolutely. you go under once or whether you go under three times doesn't, Right, validate or invalidate the baptism. Mm -hmm. But I wouldn't be. I'm not a fan, and I we've done this of rebaptisms just for the sake of conscience or I don't know what. Of I'd I'd love to hear why you why you say that because and and talk about what is a rebaptism and why you why are you? We've had people who are like, well, I was saved when I was a kid and I got baptized, but I'm not super confident maybe and you talk to them and they would say they were saved though when they were a kid and they're like but i didn't really know i'd rather get baptized again because i know now more Mm -hmm. and it's like yeah but you you were saved you were baptized after your salvation like you were supposed to be that is a legit baptism like that that that's good you did what you were supposed to it's like well my parents you know really well they did good as parents then if this was all real and you're telling me that was real this was this was good we don't we don't need it. Our theology teaches when Christ saves us, he saves us completely and holds on to us forever. So I don't lose my salvation and then, well, I regained it again, so I got to get baptized again. Mm. And it seems to me, like, especially with teenagers who were saved when they were younger, all of a sudden they're wanting to get saved when they're 17, 18, 19. They're like, I need to get saved again, or I need to be rebaptized because I don't think I knew what I was doing. And I just really leery with that. Or, people who are like i just want my family to see Mm. this again and it's like that's not the 
that's not the point of baptism right. is for your family to see your faithfulness or whatever right, right? so you're you're muddying it up right. of what it of what it should be here right. um and so that's not what we mean by going under three times like Right, <laughs> you're baptized right. this year, five years later, and right. five years later. Right, we mean like instant. It's like right. one, At two, one three baptism. Yeah, <laughs> type yeah. of thing. I just wanted to separate that, but and I don't want to cast stones necessarily on people who've done that in the past. I'm just I'm not comfortable with that personally. Like I would really talk people out of that. Right. It's from a theological the, point. It's for that reason. I think Tim. I've heard a lot of people that have the opinion. This might go somewhere later on in our discussion of just why they actually won't baptize young children mm-hmm. is because they want there to be a period of time where it's actually apparent that this child is a, is living out faith, that they are sure about the decision that they're making. Mm-hmm. So I, I know some guys that will, they wouldn't baptize a child, right. uh, depending on how, how old they are, you know, mm-hmm. whatever level of maturity. Yep. And, um, and they, they kind of tie it. I'm thinking of a few people and specifically that, that tied into church membership, that they wouldn't baptize a person until they are old enough to be considered a member of the church. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but that's one of the reasons right. is because there's a lot of children have a lot of confusion. I myself, I'll say this, I was personally baptized when I was probably in about like the third or fourth grade, live my life. I was clearly not a Christian throughout that whole time. I had no conviction of the spirit, no love of God was converted when I was a freshman in high school. And after that, after talking to my pastor pretty extensively about it, I was baptized in front of the congregation. And at the same time, gave, gave the testimony of why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. Of like, I, yeah, I was previously baptized at actually this same church, but here's why I was not a Christian. And I know that I was not a Christian. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that was my own personal experience. Mm-hmm. But I see what you're saying. It can be confusing for people. Um, and my pastor, credit to him, we talked a lot before I decided to right, do that, right. you know, yeah. Mm-hmm. and yeah. Like I've seen some of my friends from my youth group get baptized like four times. Yeah. See, that was clearly like every a year after youth camp, they're guilty. I obviously wasn't saved. Now that could go, you know, they maybe were living their life more legalistically. <laughs> and so, sure. You know, um, they weren't really understanding grace and all that stuff, but it's just, that's not what baptism is about as we're talking about. Baptism is something God has given us, not something we give to God. And that's what it almost seems like. Like, I'm going to give this act to God. It's like, no, this isn't for God. Mm-hmm. God has given you this to show what he has done in you, right? He's done this for you. And, right. it, and it's for all of us to see that he has worked in you, right? And you're a part of this family. So I almost feel like, you know, if you're, if you're willing to keep rebaptizing people, then you're, you need to change your theology behind what you believe baptism is and even what salvation is. Mm. I don't know how you, how you would do it otherwise. Mm. So, obviously, I think we've already answered this, but the water in baptism, does it wash away our sins? No. Or is it what baptism right. points to? It's what it points to. I mean, just like in the Holy of Holies, right? When they would go and purify the room, they didn't purify it with water. They purified it with blood. Mm-hmm. And that was showing in order for sin to be forgiven, blood had to be shed. It had to be blood that washed away those sins. Mm-hmm. And so water doesn't do a thing. I mean, just like if you if you got blood on your shirt, mm-hmm. you probably wouldn't go home and just use water even. It's not going to work. Um we need 
we need the blood of, of Christ of that hmm. sacrifice. Christ our sacrifice. So no, obviously, as we've been talking, it, it's a representative of the blood of Christ. I mean, there's this verse in First Peter three twenty one, baptism. He says, he's, of course, it's a whole context, but he says which corresponds to this now saves you. And he, but he explicitly says not as a removal of dirt from the body. Mm-hmm but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So he's explicitly saying, whenever I say baptism saves you, I'm not talking about the water part. Yeah. The water part is what help makes it a baptism, but I'm not saying the water itself is literally scrubbing you clean. It's, yeah. it's the symbolic thing of what it points to. Um, right. Who should be baptized? Believers. Believers. Okay. Why? Well, because kind of what we've been saying, I mean, we believe that it's a symbol of what God has done in your heart. So for it to be done before that, we would say it doesn't make sense, right? Um, you're not going to you're not going to uh, get baptized and then be saved and say, well, you know, this was why, because of the baptism led me to believe that this was true. No, because baptism represents I died. And now I'm alive again. And so we believe that's what the Bible teaches and points to. I mean, in the New Testament, you know, repent, be baptized. Mm-hmm. It's just see, make disciples of all nations, baptizing disciples first, baptizing them. It just seems that's the order in the New Testament. Now, what, what do other Christians... Uh, now, obviously, I would assume probably most of the church in the world doesn't believe that. Right. They'll, I mean, they'll baptize people who are believers, but they also baptize um, infants or mm-hmm. children. Yeah. What, think, would, what would you say if you were counseling somebody who came to you from a background like that? What would you well, say to I them? Well, I think we have to be careful first because we, we would have to break down the denominations who baptize infants and why they do it. Right. I think that's really important. And um, I don't know how well we would hold that position for them, so I don't want to like mm-hmm. make them look bad. I'm not trying to do sure. that. But like we know the Catholic Church baptizes infants, but there's salvation in that. There's mm-hmm. yeah. there's really a grace given to that baby that is saving grace. Mm-hmm. That's different than some other denominations who baptize infants when they see it as a covenantal thing like circumcision where they wouldn't say, we're baptizing this infant so that they can go to heaven. Right. They wouldn't say that. They the water doesn't. That statement. The water doesn't ch- no, cleanse their sins. They would say we're baptizing this infant because God has given a covenant to His people and their families, mm-hmm. and they're a part of this Christian couple's family, and this is the covenant for them as well. You know, and it's kind of pointing for. I'm not part of that denomination, so I can't sit here and explain it perfectly. I, so I'm not doing justice to it, I'm I'm sure. But we have to make sure we differentiate from that right. because I think all of us around this table would agree there are certain denominations who baptize infants who we would say, we we can't really do anything with you. And, 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 and we would say one of those is anti-gospel. Yes. And right, the right. other is compatible with the gospel, right. even though it is not our practice. Right, right. exactly. Right. They're, I mean. they're that yes. different. Too. Yes. Right. And, and to be fair, too, like, for instance, in the Roman Catholic tradition, it's not simply the fact they baptize babies. They baptize believers with that same theology, right, though, right. <laughs> and it washes yes. away sins. Yeah. Yes, and there are other denominations um, that 
in a lot of ways, would look like us as Baptists, but they still also believe yeah. that baptism saves you, and they only baptize adults or mm-hmm. or church maybe older children. The Church of Christ is a denomination who teaches that. Right. When so, you are baptized, you are saved. That's what that's what baptism does. Right. Yes. Absolutely. So so there's there's various gradations. Um, Within, I mean, there's there's so many different right. <laughs> the alignments right. change in a sense, right? Just mm-hmm. different. So there there are people who will baptize infants, but they don't do it because they think the water is washing away the sin of the right. of that, the baby. Mm-hmm. And there's um, but there well, you are. You gave the, a comparison earlier about help me here, the sign and what the sign is pointing to or signifying, signifying, yeah. yeah. I think that's a good clarification to do mm-hmm. here right. as well. I mean, I don't yeah. know. Go ahead. Yeah, and no, I mean, the, like the Roman Catholic Church, right? The, the the moment that they, I mean, my my best understanding, and I do this as a, a Gentile to the Roman Catholic Church, right? So I can't speak as an expert inside, right? I've been a, a lifelong Baptist. But um, um, as you look at the Roman Catholic Church, it appears their, their doctrine is that it will baptism works what it symbolizes. But the problem is, is it's no longer a sacrament or it's no longer an ordinance because the sign and the thing symbolized, it's become the thing symbolized. Mm -hmm. They're not, they've, it's doing what it actually is supposed to point to who should be doing the work, Mm -hmm. right? And Mm -hmm. so the water never cleanses us, but it points us to Jesus Christ who, and, and this is where having, having good theology, um, really helps us, you know, that, that just as I am washed with the water, so certainly if I have placed my trust in Jesus Christ, I have been washed by the Holy Spirit spirit just as much as i feel the water that's what the symbolism should be um but so there are other churches though that that'll that will teach though that by doing these things you get the thing automatically right. and, and often those are churches as well though that believe that you can fall from a state of grace right so you've got to mm-hmm. keep climbing the ladder of works mm-hmm. in order to do it um yeah but there are people who we would say are faithful brothers and sisters people we read probably people who we mm-hmm. lean on to to study and to to know more about God's word, who would argue for the baptizing of infants, but they would not argue what you were just talking no, about. No, that that water is washing away sin in any way, shape, or form, correct, or anything like that. And they they also would baptize believers that are older. Yeah, right. If they hadn't been baptized before, sure. They would I think say, all churches would do that. Even the Roman Catholic Church would do that. Right, but right. they don't do it if you fall out of grace. Which is interesting, right? Right, right, right. yeah. They, <laughs> Where you're getting yeah. baptized all the time, right? Right. There's other routes in the Catholic right. Church to come, sure, to fix that. There's seven sacraments, yeah, right? There's, yeah. some, there's different things, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think because I know for me, growing up where we live, when I heard infant baptism, my mind infantly instantly goes to the did Roman say, Catholic. In, did you say infantly? Infantly. But my mind goes to Roman Catholics. Yeah. <laughs> but we have to. Right. Be fair. It is there are differences and very important differences. Right. Very important differences. Right. Right. Yeah. right. We've got brothers in Christ whom we differ on this issue. We're a Baptist church for a reason. Mm-hmm. But that reason isn't because we don't think that there are other churches that differ from us in baptism that are not gospel preaching churches. It's just because we think this is yeah. what the Bible teaches. Yeah. That's and we, why. That's why we exist. And we do think it's an important enough issue to yeah. divide as a church sure. over. Sure. Not to say that they aren't Christians, but sure. to say yeah. it is probably best that we don't work together too yeah. closely. Sure. Because we, this is a pretty big difference. Sure. Sure. We can be pretty hypocritical, though, as Baptists, because we have 
we have started to do something historically that would maybe fall in line with infant baptism called baby dedications. Uh, and we almost treat them like an infant baptism that you must come here and have your baby dedicated if you really love the Lord and hope that they will be saved one day. And to me, that's kind of hypocritical and it's, to me, it's wrong. I'm not a big fan of the baby dedication. I don't like calling it baby dedication. You know, here we have a baby parade and I'm fine seeing the parents who've had babies for the year and even praising God for the life that he's given to these parents and even praying for the children. But I hope I don't want it to come across. This is us dedicating your baby to the Lord because that's, that's not, that's not what it is. That's not what we believe we should be doing in those instances. One of the funny things I had experienced in early on in my, uh, in my ministry was that, uh, I was, <laughs> I was asked to be a part of a baby dedication at the church I had just been called to. I wasn't doing the, I was, I was asked to, to participate by praying for the children. But what was funny is we did this and there was a Presbyterian minister visiting our church whom I knew and he was visiting the church that day. And so it's just funny, right? Because I can only imagine what he was thinking whenever he <laughs> saw me up there praying for, you know, and it's like, what are we doing here? And, um, <laughs> Anyway, I'm sure he probably would have stepped right up to the plate if we would have said, hey, hey, buddy, can you come on up here and just finish the job, you know, and just uh, let's go to the bullpens, go to the closer and just bring you on up. But anyway, it was just a funny, humorous event that in God's providence, he was sitting out there in the, the yeah. and he's a good brother. He's a That's good brother, funny. but um, he's actually a fellow Missourian. So, oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah. So he's a little different. Ah, he's from St. Louis, so he's more of, he's more of a Yankee than where I'm from. So, yeah. I don't know if you're going in this direction, but I'd like to ask the question. Maybe Scott can answer. I know I've had my answer. Maybe you guys can pipe in. With children, though, in regards to children in baptism, like you said, some people uh, say an age, and I don't even know how hardened and fast they are on that age in particular, but there are difficulties in what we say baptism is and then turning around and baptizing kids. You know, I've seen kids baptized four years old, five years old, stuff like that. I was baptized when I was like seven or eight, right, or, right around there. What advice would we give or how do we determine, how do you determine when uh, that child's ready? I mean, Pastor, have, Pastor Spencer's maybe had to deal with this before at your old church. I, I don't know if you had to. I think not. we would have to rely on the knowledge of the parents okay, to see, you know, a change in their child. It's heart, and that would be reflected in behavior, different behavior. Um, I guess, I guess also in that same vein is like, what is the kid, you know, what is the child saying? Like, are, is it clear that they understand, uh, you know, God's grace in cleansing their sins? Is it clear that they understand that baptism is a symbol? I think those are probably the starting points. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's a really hard question to answer. In some senses, I don't know if there's a right answer to it about if there is a, if there is a right age. I'll just frame it from this perspective. If a family came to me from our church and said, Hey, uh, our son has, they prayed that he prayed the prayer with us. You know, we were doing a family devotion and in that devotion, it asked like, if you want to believe in Jesus to save you, you know, and, um, and he said, yes. And, you know, say this kid is like five to seven years old. My first step would be to try to meet with those parents. I wouldn't even want to meet with a child. Okay. I want to meet with the parents and talk to them about 
what is the change of heart you have seen in your child? Is there any kind of repentance? Uh, is there any kind of change of what he loves to do, of what he likes to do, of how he talks? And so, like, even in a child so young, like, they're not going to be living completely rebellious, sinful lives, right. you know, like going to the bars every night and sleeping around <laughs> with women, right? But there, there should still be changes of heart. The Holy Spirit, if that child is saved, has, has actually regenerated their heart. And so there will be changes in their affections, in their, in their desires. And so I would want to ask them that. And, uh, and if they're not sure, if they haven't seen that, then I would say, okay, well, then we need to kind of hold off here for a little bit. And I say that mainly, I know there's some people that would say, like, you know, you really don't want to delay this or things, but I would say hold off. And the main reason is because we've already talked about it a little bit, is that I think in our culture, especially in our church culture, there is a lot of confusion about the role that baptism plays in a person's salvation. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, I've seen it to where a lot of parents will say, Okay, we've done our duty. We got our child to profess faith in Christ. Let's get them baptized, and then boom, we're good, mm. right? And that's not, yeah, you know, like our yeah. child saved, mm-hmm. and that is not the kind of mentality I want to encourage among parents mm-hmm. and among families. But rather, I want to encourage continued evangelism and discipleship. And you know, if you're a parent, getting your child to a place where they profess faith, evangelizing your child is only, is only part of your job. Mm. It's then that you continue to disciple them mm. into that baptism mm. and as you're their family. And so that's, that's really what I would try to do. There are resources that you can work through with a child to make sure that they know and they understand what baptism means. Um, but even, even for an adult, like if an adult came to me and said, I, I, I just, I just, prayed to, to accept Christ. Like I'm, I'm not of the opinion that the right thing to do at that moment is to bring them down and be baptized, but to talk to them, to make sure they, they understand what they're doing, what mm. baptism means. Um, and there are good resources mm. for that too. Mm. Pastor Spencer, Pastor Scott, you guys have kids in your home. You guys haven't really had to go through this yet, right? Correct. Correct. Right. I haven't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have conversations with your children though about that and have they i mean your past years are young you've got some though getting older how old's seven right. seven so he's getting to a point where he could ask some decent questions sometimes right, you know right. like dad i want to get baptized right you know what do you say to your kid in that moment if he's like dad i, I want to get baptized right i don't think he's had the the statement i want to get baptized we have a lot of theological talks though mm-hmm. um I'm, I give, uh, I think person, and I guess in one way we've honestly just not brought it up to him. I, um, we just don't make it, he he knows about, you know, they, they, they know about like when we partake of the Lord's supper, they know what it symbolizes and such like that. And we read the Bible and, um, talk about things. And um, my personal practice, I mean, so first of all, I'll talk about just my expectation is I'm going to raise my children personally. This is just the way I practically do it. I'm raising them with the expectation that, first of all, this is how God, generally speaking, in his providence, works through, blesses faithful parenting and family lines. I don't know for certain if my children will be converted. I can't give an absolute answer, but I do know that. And second of all, I have, I'm raising them in a sense, maybe this is bad, but me and Courtney are raising them 
almost with the. I'm glad you added Courtney into there. With the assumption, with the <laughs> yeah, she's really the one doing all the good, all the good work. But I'm raising them basically with the expectation that at the end they will be Christians, not because I can manufacture them into Christians, but that's just kind of the way I'm parenting them. And what I mean by that is not that I don't treat them as if sin's not important. Yeah. I tell, we consistently talk about sin and the gospel, mm. and you need to believe in Jesus Christ. And this is what happens to people mm-hmm. who don't believe in Jesus Christ. And mm-hmm. do you? And second of all, I, so that's kind of my parenting goal is I'm, I'm kind of just expecting them to become disciples of Jesus Christ. Yeah. And um, that doesn't mean that I'm saying they are right now. Secondly, whenever we're raising them right now um, as parents, I'm, um, I don't want to in any way discourage their professions of faith. Right now, if you asked my boys if they're Christians, like if they've, I've, I, they wouldn't, I mean, maybe not the word Christian, but do you believe in Jesus? Yeah. Right. Now, I don't know whether or not that's what that means, but I'm also not going to say that it's not real. Yeah. Right. Because I've, I've said to my wife, I think I've said to you guys, sometimes they believe this stuff more than I do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so I'm going to consistently just remind them of both God's law and God's gospel yeah. all the time and yeah. the need <clears throat> to always repent and the need to always believe. Because this is one of the problems I think, particularly as Baptists in our tradition with revivalism in the past is we view faith and repentance as a one-time thing. Right. And I get you to that point Mm -hmm. and then you don't have to worry about it anymore. And so I get to the conversion moment and my Christian life's done. Yeah. And that's not the way this works. Oftentimes, I mean, this is for me personally, I think most of us have no idea when we were really converted Mm -hmm. exactly like minute. I think God may have been working in our hearts before or after. Jesus says the wind blows where it wishes, and you really don't know. There's a lot of mystery here. And so I'm saying that because I'm always pressing my children to believe in Jesus, and I'm always pressing upon them the seriousness of sin and of the need to follow God's commandments Mm -hmm. as a gratitude response Mm -hmm. for grace received. Now, I guess the baptism thing, I'm just kind of letting that happen naturally. But I don't press that upon them right now. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I'll echo a lot of what you just said, Spencer, and then clarify something that I maybe do a little differently is number one, you just said, I, I never pressure people to be baptized in right. a child in that sense or like push them towards that decision. Like I would much, I think it would work out much better where like they are actually able to, as we've already talked about, be in service and see which yeah. parents, that's another great reason to try to transition your children to be able to sit in service with yeah. you so they can see baptisms. Right. I remember at the church I came from, we had children's ministry, but you know, and that we did and that children would stay in through fifth grade. But when there was a baptism, we would cancel children's activities hmm. and we would bring them into the service to see what was happening. Hmm. And it was because we wanted them to see that this is part of church life, mm-hmm. people being baptized. So, I would want that child to bring it up naturally. Yeah. So, and I would also echo what you said about, I, I think me and Alicia do, we are raising our children with the expectation that they will be Christians, but that's because we are actively putting in work to disciple them towards that, to teach them towards that. We are constantly sharing the gospel with them, doing family devotions with them. But one thing I do I, I don't really talk to Thomas much because he can't talk back. Um, but uh, me and Nolan, we will have conversations. Like we'll read a Bible story before I put him to bed. 
then we'll have a conversation. I'll ask him what he thought about that. It'll be something about faith or trusting in Christ or something like that. And I, I will actually say to him, I'll say, Nolan, you know, one day you're going to have to make the decision if you are going to follow Jesus or not. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll let him know, like, this is a decision you're going to have to make, mm-hmm. like, if you're going to do this or not. So I'm raising, that's a little different, I guess. I'm raising him with the expectation and with the, the faith and the hope that he will mm-hmm. be a believer. But I'm also letting him know that he should never assume that he is. Mm-hmm. In a sense, right. like he, he is going to have to make a decision, a profession of faith at some point. Right. Um, and I, I think that is helpful just to let kids know you shouldn't assume, cause I've seen that a lot. And that's probably mm-hmm. just a reaction on my part to what I've seen is that kids have an, a, an assumption that they are a Christian because their parents are. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to instill in my son that you are going to need to make a decision about right. this. This is something between you and God in a sense that you're not just a Christian right. because you're in my home. Right. You're a Christian because you you ha- you personally right. are, are making that decision of following Christ. Correct, correct. So I yep. don't know how helpful that is, but no, it's good. I, I think it's probably just a reaction, like I said, to what I've seen. I think we're I know I think that we're very similar because I mean the gospel you have to receive Christ. Yeah, you have to faith is resting and receiving upon Him as He's offered to us in the gospel. No one yeah. can be saved apart from that faith alone. That's what faith is, and so consistently pressing that upon our children. Mm-hmm. Um, I never, speaking to my experience, yeah. sorry to hijack with this question. No. I think I hijacked this. <laughs> it's helpful. Uh, yeah. I think people want to know uh, this. I, in speaking to my kids about salvation, that talk is was always regular, mm-hmm. like you said. Baptism wasn't. Um, I remember, so, so Jackson has professed faith and Aubrey has professed faith. And Easton, like, has and hasn't, you know, where it's just, we still talk about it a lot to him. But um, I remember when we told some family, like, again, hey, last night Jackson came to us on his own and was like, I need to be a Christian. Like, I need to ask Christ in my heart. Okay. And so we sit down with him and talk him through that and pray together. Same with Aubrey. Hers was the same way. I was gone, actually, and Amanda called me. She's like, she's crying in her room. Mm. She under, she, I think she's understanding this. So that was like our, our situations with them. But uh, when you tell family and when you tell friends, it was, so are they getting baptized? You're, you're the pastor, so you can baptize them whenever you want. So are they getting baptized next week? And it was like, no. And there was almost like this assumption, like, well, Why? And it was for me as a parent, like, I want to know personally that this is real. I want them to know. I want them to be assured as well that what's happening is happening, that they're not being forced because dad's pastor or whatever the case might be. So I think for Jackson, it was like two years later and he came to us, you know, I I need to be baptized now. Hmm. Okay, let's do it. Hmm. And same with Aubrey, you know, hers was months months later like i need to be bad and, and don't get me wrong we talked to him about it like when you if you get saved you really if you're really saved then you sh- you need to be baptized that's mm-hmm. what it says but you let us know mm-hmm. right in in a weird way i don't know if you guys agree with this or not but in a weird way the act of baptism and and what it's supposed to symbolize overshadows what is the, the what has actually happened mm. to this person you know and i don't know if that makes sense or not but like the church that i have background in 
It's like when you were baptized, you got a DVD video of your baptism and a certificate of your baptism as like a celebration. And it's almost as if the act of you being baptized overshadows the fact that like just a little short while ago, you were a sinner on your way to hell, but now you have a regenerated heart in Jesus Christ and are a new being, a new creature. You've been adopted into the family of God. And that's, I just think people celebrate the baptism side of things, but they don't talk about the spiritual reality and celebrate the spiritual reality of what's just happened. So numbers in churches are difficult, right? They're difficult to grasp with, to to try to decide based on numbers, are we being effective? Well, within the Southern Baptist Convention, the question has always been, how many baptisms did you have last year? And so what it became was like, if I want to look good, Oh, you think you need to be rebaptized? Okay, you got going into the water. Who needs to get baptized here today? Who? Okay, let's do it. Let's do it right now. And it was quick. Mm. Not many questions mm. asked. Like, and it, it almost again. This was from my personal view. It's like we're just trying to tally numbers here, mm. and the same amount of people we see being baptized are leaving. Or how long are they here after that? Like, we're not figuring this stuff out to see if we're actually seeing spiritual growth real things happening in people's lives. We're just tallying numbers up here. That's why, you know, recently I asked Jenny, I want the last 10 years of baptisms. Let me see them. I want to see how many it was by year. Who are the people? Are they still here? Was it rebaptisms? Was it, you know, what, let's see what's really happening. And I'm still trying to go through those and trying to figure it out. But because I've always been more hesitant to baptize people just personally of, you know, if you come to me, I, I've asked Christ in my life, okay, great. Yeah, let's let's talk about it some and see. Or even like, let's let them initiate this. Not mm-hmm. me push them into the water. Me tell them, this is what God says. If you've been saved, you should be baptized. Let me know when you want to be baptized. And a lot of times they don't get back with me. And that's a sign to me like, I don't know if this was real then. I told you this is the next step. Like, this is what you should be doing. And you're not following up. You know, and people might say, well, that's your job. You should follow up with them. Well, I do some, but I really think they should be eager to mm-hmm. get in there. Mm-hmm. And the other side, too, before we move on here, though, real quick, but you, you mentioned about people being rebaptized a lot and doing that. One of the things, if we're not careful, we're teaching them because they're thinking that if we're not careful, a works righteousness principle can subliminally be be put in there that I've got to offer this back to God. Mm-hmm. And I've got to do this again. And, and maybe there, there can be good motivations, but there can also be bad motivations in that. And just want to be careful of talking to them, making sure where they're at. Um, because, um, what we do with baptism and, and what we think that when we, how we talk about it in some ways is going to ta- think about how we think about the whole Christian life should look like. And if we think the whole Christian life should look like, uh, you know, uh, 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 I don't know, uh, a great emotional high consistently. Well, then we're going to want to get rebaptized five times, <laughs> all the time, yeah. Right, but if we're if we realize what we're doing here and we 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 just want to put our hand to the plow and go forward, well, then we're just gonna we're gonna keep going. And that's why, if we think of baptism right, that's why right. baptism baptism becomes important for us for our whole life, even after. Yeah. Right. That's right. I yeah. mean. It's what I can look back to and say, during those times of drought in my heart or whatever, of difficulty, maybe even with my spiritual life, I'm reminded, Sure. 
God saved. I know God saved me by His grace, and I was, you know, I was baptized in His name, and I am His. Like I'm, I'm remembering this. Right. It's coming to my my thoughts. God is using that again in my life to again further my faith, even though my faith is weak at this moment. God mm-hmm. can use that baptism to strengthen my right. faith, even though it was 25 years right. ago, 30 years ago. Right. But again, that's if we're doing it correctly. Correct. Then. That's what it means. Right. You know, that's really good. Yeah. Cause I, and that leads to my last question here before we close here, but well, what role should our baptism play throughout our life? And you're kind of bringing up the fact that first of all, it should continually assure us of God's promise in, in Christ. Um, one of the things I've thought about, and I think this is important is that baptism is the sign of initiation into the Christian faith. So it's something we live out of. But so often, I think, in our mindset, it's something we work to. Mm-hmm. But baptism is something that if you've been initiated in, it's like marriage. I, I, don't, I didn't date my wife personally. I only knew my wife for maybe less than two years before I married her. And so I married her because I found out I loved her and I wanted to get married to her. But then after that, I've gotten to know her a lot more. I didn't wait 20 years to, to be with my wife before I decided, hey, you know what, maybe we'll get married. Mm-hmm. I live out of that. So every time I look at my wedding ring, I live out of that. Not because I'm consistently feeling great and lovey-dovey, but because I just remember what, I, what, what the covenant is that we've got. And I live out of that. And so whenever, um, whenever we live our lives, I think that we're continually reminded of God's promise and I don't want to be too mystical, super spiritual, but there is a sense in which... It's okay, you're, you're a Christian, indwelt by the Holy Spirit. You can be spiritual if you want to. <laughs> Thank you for that, brother. <laughs> but we kind of, in a sense, we live out of our baptisms, right? We can say to ourselves, I have been baptized. And by that, I mean God has reminded me and given me this symbol of his love. And I can remind myself of that, regardless of however I feel. To, again, I'm not saying that we say, well, I've, I'm saved because I've been covered in water. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying be reminded of what it points to. And that, that should be remind us as well. I love um, 1 Corinthians 6, 11. Paul says, he's talking about sin, but he says, And such were some of you. You were like that. You used to be sinners in this way. But he says, but you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Now, there he's talking about spiritual salvation, I think. Mm-hmm. But the idea of washing still, though, I think, can remind us of our baptism, of the fact that it's symbolic of the fact that we've been changed in Christ. And so we live out of that. Um, secondly, it reminds us of our duty in Christ. Isn't that the whole point of Romans 6? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. We, right? We serve because of what he has done. And I mean, he has brought me to life. Right. I was dead in my trespasses, dead in my sins. Right. <clears throat> I was buried with him, though, and now right. a new man has come. I'm, I'm alive, I am free, and I am free to serve the one who has given me life. And so right. I want to daily right, serve him. I want to daily kill the flesh. I want to see that old man die every day because if we're all honest with ourselves, that old man seems to wake up with us every That's day right. and creep That's in. Right. And That's so right. we want to see that see that die. And again, our, our baptism helps us to remember that has happened in our right. life. God has right. crushed that old man in right. us right. and we can overcome that right. through his power. 
right? I love the, the thing Martin Luther wrote in his small catechism about what water baptism does. He says it indicates that the old Adam in us should by daily contrition and repentance be drowned and die with all of his sin, with all sins and evil desires, and that a new man should daily emerge and arise to live before God in righteousness and purity forever. And that's a great picture of the fact that every day, baptism should not only affect me that moment when I'm baptized, but till the day I die, I wake up every day and I die to the old man and I live to Christ. Mm. That's what Paul says. You were baptized. You can't live this way anymore. So you've got to be changed. And so it should actually affect the way we live our whole lives as believers in Jesus Christ. Okay. Is there any other things you want to add? Okay. All right. It's hot up here. It is hot. We got the fans running. And um, we need to move our studio. We need to move our studio. Our studio. (laughs) It's very loose on the word studio. (laughs) (laughs) Just think what the next one's going to be like. Yeah, I guess. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much for listening to to us. We hope this has been helpful and uh, beneficial. Um, We kind of feel right now that we would like to go get in some cold water right now. So, um, yeah, go get baptized (laughs) into that water. Um, Thank you so much for listening to us. We hope it's been beneficial to you. And, uh, we, uh, we hope uh, you're doing well, and uh, we look forward to catching you next time. Take care. Bye.